Hello and welcome to Duelist Community Raw, episode 20. I am fucking stoked about this community and everything that it brings to the table. The, the vast spectrum of experiences and stories and insecurities and concerns and questions and every single aspect of it just gets me so fucking excited to, to continue on this stream of conversation is really what it's becoming over these days and weeks and, and months that we've dug into it even further. So thank you for, uh, for being a part of this and listening and, and conversing and utilizing it in your own life. Cause that's really at the end of the day, what keeps us going. And I have, nothing to add to that because Andrew just voiced everything that I've been feeling myself specifically about the community that for so long I wondered if it would ever form if it was out there I've spent so long just kind of walking on my own doing it for myself that to suddenly be buoyed by so many inspiring people by so many brilliant and empathetic people it's a dream come true I'm so very grateful and Andrew expressed everything perfectly as always so with all of that said, I hope you enjoy this live stream that is Duelist Community Raw, episode 20. This is exciting. This is the first episode of Dualistic Unity Raw, where we are talking to our audience, our community, the people that we chat with several times a week, because this is the best part of Dualistic Unity is the ability to connect with others on this path, compare notes, share insights, share victories, you know, even share some grievances along the way. So this is a whole new format for dualistic unity. And we're going to be doing this at least once per month, probably on the third Tuesday of every month. So if anybody else would like to join us, you can do so by simply going to the website under the contact section, you will see in the drop down uh, an option for the group discussions. And of course, that is only available to our tier two and tier three supporters on Patreon. So that's only $25 a month. And of course, with that, you get, I believe, eight hours of conversation with us every week every week of the month, all the time. So you really get a chance to chat with us. You get a bunch of merch for free. You get a free half hour conversation with either Andrew or myself. There's a lot of stuff that goes with being a tier two patron. So we do appreciate the support as well, of course, because it does help the community grow. It does help us branch into new directions and create things like the sticker campaign or the upcoming billboard that we're hoping to get to. Absolutely. All right. Just got the message out to discord. So should, uh, should alert some of them, but yeah, Patreon, these groups, I mean, this is technically sort of Patreon group. It's basically what the groups consist of, but they're always a blast. One of my favorite forms of the content that we do, um, being able to interact with more iterations of me and, and people bring their own unique perspectives to the conversation. We have Bop around with questions and insights, and it's always a blast. So I'm very excited to to get this one recorded for the public to see how these groups go. Because super casual, super chill, uh, just a great time for people to to chat and open up and share things, basically, and, and feel a deeper connection with each other. So yeah, excited, excited for this, and excited that this is now a thing that we'll, we will be doing monthly for any of those interested. Yeah, absolutely. And of course, we're going to be having another segment that's going to be coming up soon. We're thinking next Tuesday, 
Dualistic Unity Raw is going to have a call-in number or a call-in link where you can click and join for a certain amount of time, give your opinion, share your story, ask your question, and then you will inspire the rest of the episode and then we'll move on to the next caller. So that's going to be a lot of fun too. And it should be interesting and keep us on our toes because anybody can call in and we certainly don't make everybody happy with our message, which is really funny when you think about it. It's something that never fails to, to amaze me. It's this idea that letting go of your idea of yourself is somehow harmful. You had one of those responses the other day. Oh, you can't go telling people that they can just get over their anxiety. Well, why, why not? Like, that sounds like a terrible thing to tell somebody who suffers through anxiety that you're not going to get over it. I'd be pretty anxious about that. Like, you're never going to get over your anxiety. Is that a better message? I don't think it is. I think that you have the capacity to change and grow and learn to adapt to your anxiety, to identify where it comes from, to identify what you're doing that makes it worse. Just that reality in itself makes me feel better. I'm already feeling less anxious, aren't you? Yeah, to, to understand that it may not be forever, but it's, it's so fascinating because people almost don't think about the extent of that message they're they're pushing that you know when i say that there are roots to these things that we go through there are, there are ways to work on them overcome them potentially it doesn't mean it's going to happen overnight it doesn't mean it's going to happen from taking a little magic pill or something but it doesn't mean it can't happen and a lot of people cling to that idea that it's it's almost disrespectful to say that some of the ways that you can do so are relatively simple again not easy but simple kind of relatively straightforward it does take work to to peel back especially if you have a lot of layers if you've been through a lot of different traumas in your life but it's not to say that there isn't some opportunity to overcome them and so people who say that you know you, no you can't just say that it's like all right what's the alternative you're condemned to this for the rest of your life like, yeah, it's it's not the easiest thing to do. Easier said than done. I get a lot of messages like that, but are, are just because it's difficult, does that mean it's not worth trying to do? Does that mean it's not worth working towards? Like, I, I'm, I'm just a little bit confused by what you're trying to push here, what you're trying to say. Are people subject to this for the rest of their life, this degree of suffering? I don't think so. And what isn't easier said than done? I mean, going to the bathroom is easier said than done. Everything's easier said than done. This doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. And that's kind of the point, right? Is let's just accept that maybe it can be done. And then we can work within that environment where at least we're looking for the opportunity rather than blinding ourselves to the fact that it's there. That's really all we're saying. We're not saying you can absolutely perform miracles. We're saying maybe. Isn't it worth exploring? Why are you telling yourself you can't if you don't really know? Is that just for false certainty? That's really all we're saying. That's really all we're saying. And I've been saying stuff for the last several minutes without introducing any of our guests. So I'm gonna stop rambling as of right now and actually introduce everybody who's joined us so far. I'm, I'm sure we will have other people join us throughout the next two hours because the link did go out to numerous other uh, people who wanted to join us. And there's one as if on cue. So today we are joined, of course, you know, Amanda from earlier in season four. Amanda, thank you so much for being here. We really appreciate it who you may not know, dear listener, is Marie. Marie is always 
in our group discussions. She is always offering insights and asking fantastic questions. Marie, thank you so much for joining us here today. Would you like to tell everybody a little bit about yourself, what brought you to Dualistic Unity, and, and perhaps what you'd like to chat about today? Well, throw me on the spot right off the bat, huh? Right. Um, actually, that was probably to Amanda first. I would love to throw it her way first, if you don't mind. No? <laughs> I don't mind, but Marie, you're you were shouted me. out first. You were shouted out first. I want to acknowledge that. And you are like, no, I don't know. You got um, this, Marie. What brought you to DU? <laughs> Um, so <laughs> honestly, I think it was probably Andrew's page, Instagram, um, during the summer, um, I'm noticing my algorithm on Instagram is showing me shockingly what I think about and who I am. No, um, no, it's showing up of like, yeah. So he, he popped up and I was like, oh yeah, I totally re resonate with that. Uh, he was doing one of his walks around New York and that stood out to me too, because I live in New York. So I was like, holy shit, that's really cool. There's somebody that lives in New York that like thinks this way. That's fantastic. I'm going to see what he's up to. And then uh, saw that there was a whole freaking podcast about it. And I'm like, whoa, <laughs> you gotta be kidding me. I've been waiting for a community like this, um, thinking and always trying to have conversations with people and it reaching a certain level, which is fine. But like, it's only so much you could do when like thinking by yourself, there's just like something so refreshing about having these conversations and then questioning things even further than you thought was possible. It was like, oh yeah, I'm at a really good place. And then I start listening to the podcast, start attending these conversations. And I'm like, I of course can go even deeper. And like, I just been appreciating the space to do that. The, the fact that you all are creating this community is just so fun to be hopping out like on board with it's been a blast uh, I'm so yeah. glad to have you as part of the community for sure and of course I had to just throw you into the into the mix just to start yeah. us off just to let everybody else know if you're going to join us this is how we roll here on Dualistic yeah. Unity. We do not have a sense of control. We just more or less, we stumble, we pick up the ball, we try to run again and fuck it, who gives a shit? Yeah. It's our show. We can do whatever we want. And that's, that's very much the point. And so Maria, I just want to say thank you for tolerating me for so long. I really do appreciate that. But also thank you for just being such a bright and enthusiastic part of the community week to week, episode by episode. You inform so much of our conversation. You inform so much of my growth as a whole, because I can relate to a lot of the things that you talk about. And I think everybody in our community can. And so thank you for introducing yourself. I really do appreciate that. I'm sorry for putting you on the spot, but it had to happen to someone. And now I'm going to pass it to Andrew and then we're going to pass it along to Amanda, who's had a little bit more time to prepare. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sorry about that, Marie, but you handled it fantastically. You, you crushed it. So I, I appreciate you wearing that one to to kick things off but i don't know if i knew that you were in new york are you in uh new york city or outside i was in new york city i'm in brooklyn now uh but oh, still nice. go to new york city all the time yeah all right what what parts of manhattan did you live in 
Um, I lived in uh, Harlem for a bit um, and then like the Lower West Side. And then now I'm in Park Slope, Brooklyn. So okay. awesome. <laughs> nice. I don't know. I don't think I ever knew that. That's awesome. I mean, I wasn't far from Lower West Side. I was in uh, Greenwich Village for a little while. I was in Chelsea for a year and a half and uh, Midtown East. So, yeah, I've been, been around a little bit, but just in Manhattan. I'll probably be back this summer. Though I do, I do miss it a bit and, you know, the, the energy and the people and whatnot. Um, but yeah, that's, that's awesome to hear. And I resonate with you a lot with, uh, coming across things and realizing you can question things a little bit more than you thought. Like every time I feel like, oh, I, I went very deep. I feel like I've seen a lot. I I'm understanding things now. It's like a couple months later, inevitably get whacked in the face with, with more depth, more questions, more insights more layers that i didn't really recognize that i had and i'm just glad that i'm able to talk about them as often as we are able to um here so great to see you marie as always love having you on all of these calls and unless ray you got anything to say i'll pass it to amanda oh that was awesome see that's why i knew i had to throw it right back at you at you marie when you're trying to um just suggest that because I got shuttered out first, maybe I should share my introduction first. And I was like, no, 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 it's time to see all that amazingness. Um, I'm so happy to be here, guys. For me, the same question, um, I ended up finding Ray's TikTok, then Andrew's TikTok, and then ended up finding the Discord community before I even really watched any episodes of the podcast. So it's been a great ride, and I'm so glad to be here. So let's get this started. We can we can talk about anything because like Ray said, this is this is all up to us. We're creating it in every single moment. So like I'm just here for the magic. Yeah, right. <laughs> and you always, always help with that magic. Absolutely. Amanda was actually, well, we talked about this uh in the episode that you were in recently. Was that episode four of this of season four? I believe it was. I think so. So anybody who's listening to this, if you haven't had a chance to go and check out episode four of season four, which I believe was called um, creating something different definitely yeah. go and check out that episode because it was it was fantastic it's really good and it's inspiring in terms of just transformation in your own life as a whole so amanda we're really glad that you could join us again and of course amanda is always joining us in in our groups as often as she can she's a huge part of dualistic unity she's actually been helping brainstorm a lot of how we're going to be moving forward not just as a community but also as the legal entity that unfortunately we must be in order to integrate with this machine that that is the system but we're going to make it work for us and of course amanda's brilliance is going to help us do that so i'm very excited to have you here amanda and of course we are also in, also joined by alexandra alexandra is a more recent member of the dualistic unity community i believe she's been joining us now for the last three or four months or so but she does regularly come to the groups uh and she always offers insights and perspectives and questions she's very bright and she always lifts the room so we appreciate you being here alexandra thanks so much um if you don't mind telling us a little bit about the path that brought you to dualistic unity and maybe what you might want to discuss today yeah sure thing thank you so much for introducing me that's so complimentary um i think i started tuning in november so very fresh but um, very enthusiastic and I very much integrated myself at a lightning pace because it's just such an incredible community. Um, 
you know, I, I think I'm really only up to episode six of season one, but there was um, the opportunity to jump in on the free Zoom call one week. And so I did. And I just straight into Patreon, straight onto Discord, uh, made so many friends straight away. It's just been incredible. And it is really funny to think that probably happened in the space of a month. Um, but yeah, so uh, Instagram algorithm, a video of Andrew's, I might have been horse called maybe or the thought exercise that you don't have a past. And then I went, yeah, that's hot shit. And that makes a lot of sense to me. <laughs> um, <clears throat> throughout childhood, I was always really angry about the fact that things don't didn't make sense and they were all arbitrary. And that just really pissed me off. And that was just misguided enthusiasm uh, for what I now appreciate in dualistic unity and everything we chat about every week. So it's really cool to find an entire community of people that um, not necessarily agree with you, but are having the same conversation all the time. So I'm not just talking to myself. <laughs> but yeah, um, I don't know that I have anything. I don't have any thorns in my side, um, but always eager to jump in and chat about whatever happens to come up. Um, and yeah, happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Happy to have you. Great to have you. As always, I, I really like the way you put that misguided enthusiasm because I feel like a lot of people find themselves in that boat uh, when, it, when it comes to the society that we live in. It's like it, there's so many questions and so so few answers and yet people try and give you answers or they just tell you to shut the fuck up or, you know, it is what it is or stop asking questions or just, yeah, quiet down and, and whatnot. But um, yeah, it's fun to be able to have this sort of community where we're we're always asking questions and, and conversing about it. And as you said, not necessarily agreeing because that's not what it's all about. It's just continuing to move forward, continuing to process things and recognize that you are that, that process, you know, but um, you're also a massive fan of Blink-182, Angels and Airwaves, for those who may not know, as, as am I. So we've definitely connected uh, in, in that realm and gone back and forth a bit about uh, our love for, for Tom DeLong, long lost love for Tom DeLong um, after a little while. But uh, yeah, so if anyone if anyone doesn't know, I am a, I am a very big Angels and Airwaves and Blink-182 fan. So it's very exciting that Tom is, is back with Blink, although... I am hoping that Angels and Airways goes on tour soon because Blink tickets are fucking expensive as shit right now. So, uh, yeah, I'd rather go back to spending a hundred bucks for an Angels and Airways ticket that I can get like second row at, uh, as opposed to you know five or six hundred for a Blink ticket these days. <laughs> we might just have to invite Tom onto the show. Exactly. Right, have that conversation <laughs> for sure because, by all accounts, it sounds like he's very interested in this type of conversation, except that this conversation, oddly enough, despite how grounded it is, goes way beyond most of the conspiracy theory, like metaphysical, spiritual shit that you find out there. Everybody's like, oh, you know, the fifth dimension, all that shit. And we're just like, you're God. What else are you looking for? Really? Right. But um, I wanted to take a quick turn here because this is something that you and I have been talking about Andrew, uh, a little bit lately. It's something that occasionally pops up, especially early in the path of questioning and whatnot, because you start to question everything. And then you start to feel, you start to feel really intelligent as you do so, because you're getting rid of all of these concepts, you're freeing up all this thought, you have a lot of energy, but all of a sudden it's like, okay, I want to question everything, everything I want to question, questioning. I want to question the question mark at the end of questioning, right? I want to question it all. And 
to the detriment of your level of peace, to the detriment of your ability to communicate even. So you're actually questioning in order to establish a sense of connection that you are then questioning enough to push away. And so I was hoping that we could discuss this briefly, the expression that philosophy is the disease for which it should be the cure. We've talked about this expression in the past. To me, it was one of the definitive statements that changed my path. You know, kind of like uh, heavenly minded, but no earthly good. That one kicked me straight in the balls. That one was difficult to take. It really was because it feels really good to get all this stuff. But what's the point? And if the point is you feeling really good and really intelligent, and it's taking you away from the connection that would otherwise be peace, then you're trading some temporary good for a long-term consequence. So I want to talk about that a bit today. As always, for everybody who's watching this, and if you don't know, everybody here is allowed to participate whenever they would like. All we do is we just raise our hand with the little raise your hand button if we have something to say, and then we try to get to everybody in order just so that we were not talking over one another. That's really the only reason. It's certainly not like, please, sir, can I talk now? But it, it really is like, just hold on one second. Let me finish this thought, which sometimes takes a little while. And so we do appreciate everyone's patience. If you would like to join us at some point, you can raise your hand and we will get to you just as well. So Andrew, philosophy is the disease for which it should be the cure. I would love to hear your thoughts. Yeah, so this is something that you've been saying for a while. And I think it only just recently hit me that um, you're still, when you're philosophizing, you're still very much kind of lost in thought trying to conceptualize everything you experience and, and as opposed to just being reality in each and every moment. And I think there's, there's a degree of letting go of even that. And I think on this sort of path, it's not to say that you have to let go of everything immediately, but you know, you, you get to certain points where, you know, you're questioning things, et cetera, et cetera. And then you almost are like, Oh, I have to let go of that too. And there's, there's, multiple things that I've gotten to where I'm like, oh, fuck. And, and there's even things now that I I don't know if I'm ready to let go of. And I think that's okay. But it's when when you get to the philosophy is, is the disease for which it should be the cure and that type of thinking, a lot of times it's a place in which people feel comfortable, I feel like. And so they kind of stop questioning if whether there is a benefit to it or, or if it even, if they even care if there's a benefit. So they just keep kind of going on that loop and it can be literally an infinite loop. If you question every single word that everyone says all the time and wonder if, you know, is that really what you mean? It, it comes down to, um, communication being a two-way street, like all language is inherently dualistic. It's inherently divisive. So no, nothing I say is the reality of what I'm trying to point at, but there has to be a, a willingness to move beyond the words, to let go of being super fucking nitpicky about every single word that someone uses and just hear what they're trying to get at, recognize where they're pointing to, as opposed to being so focused on what they're saying. And because if you're if you're gonna do that, there's there's gonna be limits that you kind of get caught at there's going to be extreme limitations to 
where you can go with this conversation because there's a point in this conversation where it is very little about the words. It's almost not about the words at all. And so if you're entirely caught up in the words and the definitions and, okay, you're saying this, but like, what is even you? It's like, okay, can we, can we move past that, please? Can, can we assume that we, we understand where each of us is coming from and then be able to move beyond that conversation? So I think people can very much get caught up on that because it does feel good. And in a question of feeling better versus getting better, getting stuck on language and words can temporarily allow you, allow you to feel better, but what does it actually do for the conversation, for society? Keeps us stuck in a stagnant sort of spot. And there's the degree of letting go that you have to kind of accept in order to realize that none of the words that anyone says is the reality of what they're saying. None of the words are ever the truth. And if you can understand that, then you can move beyond those limitations and actually have a legitimate conversation or else the conversation just becomes moot. They just end up sitting in silence, which is probably more beneficial depending on what you're doing with language. It really depends. Amanda, I'm very curious to hear your thoughts. Um, so I, when I first started to wake up at like 1920, I had taken a philosophy class and I fucking loved it. Um, because I, I loved using my intellectual side. I love the intellectual concept of philosophy. And even though at the moment it didn't feel like it now, when I think back in retrospect, philosophy for me was kind of like using the mind to solve the mind or using the mind as a key to unlock the prison of the mind. But then what it really was doing at that moment was just creating a larger mental prison, large enough where I couldn't see the mental walls anymore. And because I couldn't see the mental walls, I thought that I wasn't in a mental prison anymore. I thought that I was special or enlightened or on the way to enlightenment. And so it was just such a trip because, um, like I said, all it ended up doing was just creating a larger mental prison where I couldn't see the walls. And without seeing the walls, I assumed that they weren't there. Wow, I just wanted to say that that was powerful as hell. A larger prison to the point where you couldn't see the walls. That's great. It might might feel like you're free until you wander around a bit. That's fantastic. Thanks for that. Wait, I'm sorry. The fucking Truman Show. Sorry. No, the Truman Show. Like he goes to the end and he's like, oh shit, there's a wall over here. <laughs> like that. Yeah. Sorry. That was fantastic. Thank you, Amanda. No. Yeah. Super, super well said, Amanda. It's fascinating how we can just uh, any sort of thing that we we settle upon and, and think it's it can just become another prison, no matter where, no matter how much we think that that's the answer, like that's that's a cure to our issues. It can it always creates a limitation when we settle upon things. And I think that's where people get caught up in. in it's like. I don't know, finding the balance, I guess, between the questioning and the relaxation almost, and, and being able to have your eyes open enough to see where the questioning gets to a point that you're, you're almost creating less peace for yourself, more, uh, division or not a divisiveness between yourself and reality here and now, because you're so caught up in the concepts and, and, so questioning, because I've always said, and I'm just now sort of realizing based on some interactions that I've had that 
I've always said that questioning is the most important thing you can do, continuing to question, but there's a limitation to that as well, like with everything. And then, you know, if you question that, it's like, okay, then you can just go on on that loop for eternity, but there's, there's a balance. And I think I'm just sort of realizing that, not that I ever got so caught up in the questioning that it became kind of ridiculous, but at the same time, I don't know if it really hit me like it is right now. <laughs> if you meet the Buddha in the road, kill it, right? Like as soon as you're like, this is the thing, no, <laughs> right? It's never the thing. It can't be that thing. It has to be the gray area. It has to be the fluidity. It has to be that uncertainty. It can't. And again, I say uncertainty. It's like, well, are you certain it's uncertainty? I think you're you're going in circles for the sake of continuing to conceptualize when the whole point is to let the concept go. Right. Somebody was talking about this on Discord earlier, and, and I just put a GIF of a dog chasing its tail. Right? You can do it forever. It's never going to get you anywhere. The whole point, if there is a point, is to not need a point. Right. It's just be where you are. So I, I thought that was really interesting. Alexandra, your thoughts. I just want to weigh in and talk about the inherent fallibility of philosophies. Um, and I love it, and it, it makes sense, the, dual, the dualism of it, whereby in a bid to think outside the box, you create a new box and you're inherently trying to box things to control them because you're unhappy with the current system of control that you're potentially living by or contemplating. And um, in throughout that entire process, you know, it's, it's truth-seeking, it's questioning, and that's, you know, has its, has its virtue, as we've just discussed, but there's limits to it and that's not necessarily a bad thing, but it may cause suffering. But what I what I will say above all else that's sticking out to me and throughout everything else that everyone said is philosophies are entirely confined to the fallibility of human consciousness, of our own subjective bias, of confirmation bias. And so it, I think at the very least when you seek to question and you have these insights, um, you must simultaneously recognise that it's, it's entirely here it and it's it's entirely subject to the yeah the fallibility and the subjectivity of, of the human mind um and i think that's a good thing to temper your own thoughts with so um as you are out exploring the unknown you don't end up on dying on those hills as you find those insights those insights are hills in order to make sure you don't die on them and you don't settle on um on one hill as such is to recognize that it, it's a human made hill it's a man-made feature and um, it doesn't bring you any closer to the truth. Um, yeah. Uh, exactly. Bart Costco has a great book. It's called Fuzzy Logic. And admittedly, I haven't finished it. But in his book, he speaks about the fallibility of maths to quantify data or inherently effectively collect data because um, our numbering system, you know, as, as smaller digit you can go down to and as larger digit you can go up to, you always have to put an objective standpoint to something and so let's say um one is yes and two is no effectively 1.5 is maybe but your option to click one and two immediately you've lost the the true or at least in that moment the truth of the uh of the situation because you've had to try and quantify it you've either um, reasoning by analogy here you have to try and apply a word apply a number to what is the message is lost immediately and that fuzzy logic is the gray area so it's just important to recognize that the fallibility of mathematics, words, philosophies, the second you try to box it, the, uh, the message is distorted. 
Yeah, absolutely. Well said, fantastically said, even to the point of, of mathematics, even like we forget that zero is made up. Like we actually we created that as a concept in order to do the rest of our math. And it took us a long goddamn time to make that number, right? But based on that, it's all just product of the mind, right? Can't rely on that either. Beautiful point. Yes. I'll jump in really quickly and say, I was thinking about this the other day. Um, someone asked me what my IQ was. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I think it's 120. I don't know. I'm terrible at maths, but um, there's a lot of us, other stuff I'm good at. So do I think it's kind of relevant? Not really, but there's your number. But I said, bearing in mind, someone came up with the IQ test. So can you tell me then how objectively verifiable that is for, for lack of a better term like can you tell me can you please point to the exact credibility of it despite the fact he's a mathematician like you know if you've ever I won't I won't go into it at length but if you've ever heard of the uh psychologist Kinsey uh you know he did a lot of uh qualitative and quantitative data research and it turns out he was sleeping with all his patients the entire time so despite the title of mathematician or professor or philosopher I don't think anything is exempt from the uh, subjective, um, the subjectivity of human experience, and in turn the fallibility of of their um, their methods. Yeah. Anyway, I'll shut up. <laughs> no, for sure. Like they're all biased to a degree based on the perception of of those which created it, sort of. So, so we settle upon these things because, yeah, because it makes us comfortable, especially those who have high IQs. They're like, oh yeah, no, that's definitely that's definitely objective truth right there. And it never is, never ever is. And so with with that process of questioning and and even questioning the questioning, it's like if we can just settle upon the reality that nothing we say is the truth of what it is, it's like that's it. And and then we can move on beyond that. Like, like in our episode with Suzanne, it was like. Well, I wouldn't, she, she was super nitpicky about that. It was, uh, what was season two, episode nine, if anyone's wondering, uh, beyond words aptly titled. Right. Um, and, and so she was very nitpicky about the things that we would say and, and the words that we were using. And she'd be like, Oh, well, I wouldn't use that word. I would use this word. It's like, all right, Suzanne, can we just be clear here that nothing any of us say is, is going to be the reality of it. And that kind of shut her up. Like it, it kind of allowed her to recognize like, oh yeah, you're right. Like nothing is ever going to get to like connect, you know, it's like, it's always, you can get super close, but if you're, if you're this far away or this far away, it's still not it. So if you harp on how close you get, it's never going to be it. So is it really worth it? Or can we just recognize that none of the words that we use are the truth? And, and it makes me wonder too, just even about that like if if there is an importance of that to a degree or or is it just the recognition that none of it is the truth because and okay so this i don't know if this is too many points at once but um people bring up the question of like well maybe there is an old white man with a white beard sitting up in the sky it's like yeah maybe but like that's settling upon one tiny little idea and so like, yes, but why do you like, I don't know. I, I've always been curious of how to, how to discuss something like that when that gets brought up. Anyone? If anyone or Ray. <laughs> oh my if God. I All I in. thought of, 
Oh, like I know you go. Out. No, you go. You go. Amanda, you got dibs. And then no, Alexander. you go. I got, all I thought of was South Park. There's a spaghetti monster in the sky. And I was like, who's to say that it's even human? Who's to say that it's not a Twinkie in the sky? You know, just, you know, just a, a, a loving Twinkie looking down on all of us, giving us the sweet, sweet richness of life. You know, like it could be anything. It could be nothing. It could be all of us. It could be, it's just, the fact that you just sit on one idea just makes me laugh because it's like, well, you know, if you're saying that it's a white guy in the sky, are you also a white guy that's telling me that it's you that's in the sky? Because like, if that's the case, then there's a Spanish woman in the sky looking down on me. You know, if that makes more sense to me than that it being, uh, you know, uh, customized for you, but then somehow that applies to me. I was like, no, I want to customize God as well. Yeah, I hear that. Alexandra. No, I just wanted to say, I think the word of importance, if ever there is one, is maybe. So um, even if it is the white guy in the sky, maybe, maybe none of it exists. Maybe this is a thought experiment. Maybe this is a simulation. And it's, and it's the, uh, the dualistic nature of the thing in the sense that you have ideas, but simultaneously recognizing that they're, they're conceptual, maybe, maybe. And, and I find it really, uh, I would say it's, it's a mix of um, pity and, um, and hilarity when, when you have people who are like that's that's the hill I'm going to die on this is what is because the second you try to apply objective standards to subjective life you fail and then you sin and then you live in sin and then you potentially waste your life behind this wall of, of this paywall of I've got to get to heaven or I've, I'm I'm a terrible person or I'm going to come back as a whatever um yeah the second you you forget the magic of the word maybe I believe it leads to greater suffering yeah I agree with you. I agree with you. Unfortunately, there's a mentality where I wouldn't agree with you, which is when I don't have any faith in myself. If I don't have any faith in myself, maybe is terrifying, right? Because there's no certainty in it whatsoever. And, and so I don't want to hear maybe. I want to hear, yes, do this and you're going to heaven. It's all I want to hear. And it's unfortunate, but it's true. That's that dividing line, right? But it's, it's so interesting because you can't have a conversation with somebody in that mentality without getting stuck somewhere along the line. So you can say, there's a God. And they'll go, yeah, there is. And it's like this. And it's like, I didn't say that, right? Or there is no God. What do you mean? And it's just, let's just get down to what we're talking about. What the fuck does God mean, right? Like, what do we know? And this is why I always come back to the recognition of what is. To me, that's the only thing that, that really matters is the recognition of what is. Just what is. You can conceptualize that however you like, but it's everything you are, right? And that's that lack of division. You are what is. Now let's talk about what God means. Because what is God if not what is? Right? So you're God. And we just bridged the gap just like that. But it, it requires us to move past this concept. Because as soon as you have a concept of what is, that's not what is right? That's a description. Andrew, and then Amanda. Yeah, yeah, because like the, the core thing that we settle upon is the idea of ourselves, right? And so when you say like, what do we know? I am here now. You are what is. It's kind of the extent of it. There's a shitload of depth to those statements, right? Especially your, the, the way that you define you or the way that you define that I, because the definition of I is not, is not the I. You know, the description is not the described and understanding that and, and recognizing that 
the idea of you that you've settled upon is not the reality of you. That's where the conversation can arise from. But what we know is that I'm here now. And, and we conceptualize all of those words in different ways. Like, what is here? You know, here, is it here? Or is it here? Or is it like, there's no way to actually say what here is. And, and now is, it, it's like that, that infiniteness that gets condensed into, you know, what is here now? Because you can't, you know, you can't even express that you can't measure it. It's immeasurable. And so therefore it's like everything and, and nothing simultaneously. And then, and then you, how do you, how do you define you? you? If you settle upon ideas, you know, you start with your name. It's like that was given to you, et cetera, et cetera. The idea is rooted in the past, like all of these things. And so that's what people settle upon. And then they base everything else off of that. Like maybe there's a, there's a old white guy in the sky. Maybe there's a Twinkie in the sky. Maybe it's Spider-Man in the sky or Spider-Pig. <laughs> um, but settling upon all of those is is stems from the assumption that you are something inherently separate which is only perpetuated by the idea of you right so that's where i don't know the core of the conversation really lies is is the definition of yourself and once once you recognize that that description isn't the reality of it then the conversation can actually start to get fucking interesting instead of going in circles, just saying, maybe, maybe the, uh, you know, white guy or spider pig or whatever is, is up there. It's like, yeah, you could, it could be anything. Right. But let's talk about you. So anyway, <laughs> uh, Amanda, pass it to you. Oh my God. I just shout, shout out Alexandra. I love that you just mentioned man, bear pig that, you know, and I love the logic behind man, bear pig. He's half man, half bear, half pig. And I was like, you know what? That might make sense, you know? But what I was thinking was I always got tripped up on the phrase, God is everywhere, but then, it, but God can't be within me. So I can't be God because God is separate. So I was like, oh, I guess, but God is everywhere. But then he has a house, but he doesn't have a mosque and he's everywhere, but he can't be inside the murderer because I guess the murderer didn't let God in. And so I was like, the list of exceptions and religious logic is just all hilarious and absurd. But, you know, that's it. That's my thought. <laughs> no, it is. But I mean, all, all justifications for our actions become absurd after a certain point, right? The point isn't, you know, what we're using to justify our actions. The point is our actions and we want to justify them. This is why I think it's so interesting when, again, we talked about this before, wars in the name of God. That's the weirdest thing, but it's one of those things that, again, you, you take an ego far enough, it, tell, it takes itself super seriously, it has to have this divine connection, because, you know, otherwise, who am I if I'm not more important than you in the eyes of this fiction, right? And that eventually leads to, well, I want all that, though, so obviously, if I want it, God wants it, right? Because God loves me. That was the whole Inquisition thing. I, I, I suspect you may be in league with the devil, and because I suspect it, it's true. Otherwise, I wouldn't suspect it. You see, God made me suspect you. So you're in league with the devil. Don't try denying it. Do you see how terrifying that is? Like it's, and, and that's it. If you try denying it, their offer was, okay, so we're going to torture you. And if you admit you're in league with the devil, we'll just kill you quickly. It's a bargain. There was no way out of it. And it was because their logic was foolproof. And why? Because they wanted to feel superior. They wanted to justify their, their right to judge and punish those they were afraid of, right? And they used religion to do so, even though everything in that religion is love thy neighbor with hot coals, 
Marie. Um, I was thinking about, I think what Andrew was saying before of like, when you're questioning things and then also finding that peace though, like, um, cause as I'm, um, unlayering and like something I was fixated on a lot was like peace and light and love. And I know that this come up <laughs> and um I'm actively looking to continue to unlayer but I think where I find peace is understanding thing understand or yeah understanding that everything is all the time like it it, it is accepting that I think um and I'm actively doing that because there are moments where I'm not and I feel that <laughs> and then the peace comes from like just sinking into that flow almost of like just just be here right and then um but it, it is a balance though right because then you have to push yourself into those uncertain that's I wouldn't necessarily say it's peaceful you know so it's like ah but then like it brings a whole other layer of peace with it right you go through it and then it's like yes there's even more acceptance in the unknown in the uncertainty and in that and then and then it's a practice because then um I find myself falling into that flow a lot and I love when I can like whoa here it goes and <laughs> um and then observing like just yeah I don't know so it's a process and I just like resonated with what that was said and then um and also something else was brought up of like something that keeps popping up on my algorithm all the time is like people talking about how much everything is everything like you know we're like everything's made up on this surface level of the same thing like the, the air between us the well we're you know on digital but <laughs> and then the table in front of me everything technically is broken down is the same thing we are the you like this goes back to like why can't we be <laughs> if everything is every like we are everything then what do you mean what uh it's right there in front of us it tells us all the time but constantly life is throwing distractions at you to to think you're separate and then like and it limits you and it's like no 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 like and that's what this community does and I just appreciate that it's just the constant wiping away all of the distractions and recognizing everything is everything and who the fuck knows maybe it is a spaghetti man but like okay let's keep questioning together y'all <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Why not? Because it's funny. It is, it is a process. And, and you're right. There is this, this oscillation that happens that if you avoid it, there's a consequence on either side. That's the funny part. Like if you over conceptualize and you don't question any of that, there's a significant consequence. But if you let go of all of your consequences or all of your concepts and just remain in, in blissful peace, there's a consequence there too, right? In that you start to become comfortable. It starts to become familiar. Right. And so you have to break out of it in order to continue 
to process in order to continue to flow, which is where we feel the best. That state of peace is almost misleading because it leads to stagnancy, right? It's the state of flow with peace. That's just really what we're really looking for, right? So it's again, it's this stillness, but not. It's that dualistic unity all the time, but it really is a process. And so here we are going through this process of, of being clear, going, okay, I've been clear for a while. Time to fuck shit up so I can get all confused, right? And what's interesting is that we go into that experience of uncertainty. We, we start to see how much more we are. And as soon as we come up to what we consider to be something overwhelming or too much of what we are, we conceptualize it. We, we slam on the brakes and we go, this is what this is. And then we, our growth stops. Now we have to start processing all of those concepts to come back to that, pay, to that place. And again, once we get there, we're like, yeah, this is good. This is awesome until it becomes stagnant. And then we have to push again. And it's so funny that we forget that's what life is. That's what life is. We're all just looking for a place to retire and wait till death. And in the meantime, we're dying inside as a result. Yeah, that, uh, well said, uh, that idea of that, that sort of peace and, and that love and light mentality that we settle upon because it is a sense of comfort there even it makes me wonder so like mm, someone I, i've brought him up a couple times recently but eckhart toll is immediately who i think of when when we talk about you know settling thinking the answer is perpetual peace at all times and it's still a concept that you're settling upon the idea of peace and bliss and even i mean i would argue that he's conceptualized here and now like i don't know if if he's settled upon that as a practice almost that he believes in or if he's recognized his intrinsic connection to the here and now meaning that the idea of him isn't the reality of him because he is at least he seems like he's able to stay in that state of peace at all times. So I'm curious where the consequence lies for someone like that. And again, that's just how I've seen him without, you know, spending very much any time with him at all and just seeing videos here and there, or reading some of his books and whatnot. But I'm curious, uh, just based on what you were saying, Ray, like where you see someone like that's consequences lie. Could you see Eckhart Tolle wearing a toga and leading a conga? Probably not. Just try. Just try. <laughs> you know, and just, you know, like whatever you want. Like, could you imagine him doing that? No. Why? Because that would break the idea of himself that he's come to, come to be comfortable with. And it would break the idea of himself that everybody else has. And he has been this idea of himself for so very long that that would shake everything everything for him because he was so invested in this this persona of enlightenment this persona of calm right and that's the point is that the next step from being super calm is dead right like there's a whole spectrum of emotions that you can access if you're not afraid of them and if you're avoiding them why Right? It's okay to get angry. It's okay to feel frustrated. It's okay to have enthusiasm and excitement. It's okay to get carried away by things. Like it's okay to do all that. And anybody who is truly at peace does that without fear. 
without trying to avoid it, with awareness of it, for sure, because it's in getting too carried away that we lose balance. And that's when the consequence really starts to build up. And then we have to disempower all that consequence, which takes time and more attention. And so for the sake of our own ease, we maintain awareness of the ripples that we make, but we don't stop making them, right? We get in that conga line and dance and we have a great time doing it because that's what life is all about. That's what life is for, okay? And if you stub your toe and you're like, son of a bitch, that fucking hurt. That's what life is for too. There's nothing wrong with any of it. And that's the only thing about Eckhart. It's fucking boring. Uh, real quick, I'll pass to you, Alexander, in a sec. But I feel like there's almost a responsibility as people build an idea of you, right? To to break it in a sense. And I think that's where he misses it because you know, if, if his intention is really to help reality or help people be more free, he's settling upon, he's become okay with the idea of him. Like he, he clearly doesn't actively break it or break character. I've seen a couple of videos where he talks about alcohol and he, you know, makes a kind of lame joke about how he'll have a glass of wine or two here and there, but to be mindful because, you know, you'll, you'll, lose your presence if you have too much and it's like motherfucker you can't lose your presence it's what you are you can't escape it try and not be present for a second and so when i see those videos it's it's become more clear to me that it is a concept it's still a concept to him and i understand where he's coming from with that but at the same time the way he expresses that i think clearly shows that he's lost in it and so i see that he doesn't take the responsibility of breaking that idea he's become comfortable with it and kind of not realizing that anyone who holds that idea of him is detrimental to them. You know, he he's able to continue on in the way he is comfortable, but everyone else is looking up to him and therefore not able to see it fully in themselves to the degree that they could, if he broke it, if he started doing some crazier shit, like having a little fun, letting his guard down a little bit, loosening up a little bit. And uh, so, yeah, I guess that's very important to do. And, and that's maybe where he, or he misses out. But yeah, Alexandra, pass to you. Uh, I just wanted to weigh in quickly on that in terms of um, at least ostensibly being peaceful and calm, but arguably living by that philosophy, the um, effective sub subversion of, of human nature, which is to experience the full range of emotions as opposed to the radical acceptance of living in that state of pendulum from happy to sad and everything in between by effectively um, subverting those emotions, the, act the actions and choices you make in that decision to live in a state of peace or calm, um, they, they have equal consequences. And so, it, and that's not necessarily, that's not necessarily good consequences. It's, um, uh, it's like an as above, so below type thing, you know, by, by affecting change, be that from a peaceful perspective or coming across as a, as a peaceful persona, you're going to affect people anyway. So, and that's not necessarily going to lead to good outcomes as we, as you've discussed at length, like who can ever say what is necessarily a good or bad choice because this, we're moving, it's perpetual motion. And so um, you may as well, I'd, I'd posit, you may as well live authentically and radically accept that you are going to go through the shit and experience the highs and the highs inform how bad the lows feels and the lows inform how, how good the highs feel. Um, and so though I, I fully appreciate the, um, again, the ostensible 
um, peace and clarity that, that may come from living like that, I don't necessarily see the virtue in it. And I was saying to Ray last week, you know, when I die, I want my gravestone to be three miles long because I want to run up such a tab. And I would hate to think that I've lived my entire life trying to be peaceful and calm and um, implicate other people and everything around me and then go, oops, and I I, ne- I never even got my hands dirty. It just seems like a waste of this experience, which again is subject to the, the fallibility of, of the human mind and, and all the emotions that come with being human. So anyway. Great point. Great point. Absolutely. Well, I mean, and this is it, like Eckhart, and I'm not trying to be derisive, but he's a bit of a one trick pony. And what I mean is that he has a certain type of seed that's a certain size, and he's looking for a certain type of of land to plant that seed in. And that's his whole shtick is like this, uh, this seed, which is peace, wrapped up, looks like this, I just need a fertile piece of land. And that's where this seed's going to grow. But you don't know that. That's that that illusion of control. Whereas every seed, every insight, everything you say, every emotion that goes into it creates a different seed of a different size for a different chunk of land. And maybe it's exactly the seed it's meant to be. And you're too busy second guessing it to let it grow. Right. And that's that's very much where I see Eckhart falling victim to exactly what you were just talking about, Alexander. Like he just he has this idea of what will work and the impact that he wants to make rather than just having faith in impact. Fantastic, absolutely. Amanda. Um, yeah, I I definitely agree with you guys. I, and I was definitely a big fan of Eckhart when I first started waking up um, because he was so different to the narrative that I was hearing. Um, and so it just felt refreshing, felt refreshing to, to hear him. And then his monotone voice, I was like, man, does this guy get riled up? He probably doesn't, you know, and imagine him on a Congo line. I was like, I don't, I don't know, but there's a potential, there's a potential to shimmy and shake a little shimmy, a little shake in him. Everybody's got it. So he has to have it too. Um, but this was reminding me of like how the moments in my life that I thought were stable were actually never stable. And those stable moments contained uncertainty. And in the past, when I was forced to adapt and forced to change with external circumstances or external catalysts, you know, I was, I was, I did it begrudgingly because I didn't realize that um, the more I relaxed, the more I realized that I never really know anything. And I'm just making best guesses, even when I do feel certain it was that I am the change and I am that uncertainty. So I can dance more between the moments where I feel stable and the moments where I feel like pure chaos. And, and that's all right. I, I never have to worry about how I express myself because it's just going to happen. And as much as I used to feel like in control of the ride that is Amanda, I'm just kind of watching that ride and living in the pendulum. I am that pendulum and, and everything in between. So it's like, don't try to pin it. Don't try to pin it. Try to be it. And don't try to conceptualize what you're being because that takes away from the being. It's like, try to just be whatever you need to be for yourself in any given moment and, and just relax a little bit more because all that, all that stress, all that tension always came from trying to conceptualize what I was trying to become and what I was trying to become was what was what I needed and what other people needed and what the moment needed and it was outside of myself it was outside of my character and um and it's just it is a process and it's a never-ending process like the never-ending story and I'm I'm so down for it because I don't need to understand everything to enjoy it or to enjoy the moment that I find myself in amen amen and and that's where 
you know, the recognition that you are the flow, like everything you do is perfect. Always, always has been, always will be. So when, when people are able to build an idea about you, it's almost like you're, you're allowing it to happen, but also you're clinging to it happening, not recognizing that mixing things up or changing things is still it too. And, and that place in which you are changing and growing and not kind of doing the same shit for 20 years is where growth lies. Like if you're doing the same shit, holding on to an idea, you're not growing at all. And so the growth is a byproduct of relaxing into that uncertainty. And then, and then the other thing, just to, to continue harping on this a little bit, um, is what you're saying, Amanda, that, you know, being, being your authentic self, being, you know, all ends of the spectrum, allow people to see themselves in you. Like if you're holding on to an idea, that's an idea that other people aren't going to see themselves in. And so being that allows people, you know, expressing that and, and living in a way that your guard is down allows people to recognize that they can let their guard down too. If you're not letting your guard down, which not to, not to keep harping on Eckhart, I don't like, you know, just totally picking on him, but I think we're trying to get a point across here um, that the idea in of enlightenment is not enlightenment because I got caught up on thinking that he was the idea of enlightenment. And I was like, fucking hey, that doesn't sound very fun. Like, I don't know if I want that really. So we get caught in this idea. And, and, and as long as someone sees you in a, as an idea, they think they have to be an idea as well. And so allowing people to see themselves in you, not knowing what they see in themselves. So really it just comes down to being you allows you to do that is where the change is made is where the impact is made. Inevitably, the biggest impact you can make is just being yourself, not holding on to any idea. Like the amount of people I have reach out, especially like guys around my age who have said like, dude, it's really cool to see someone who talks about this stuff who like still has fun and, and goes out and drinks and all that stuff. Cause a lot of people who start getting into this, they have this idea, which I held on to too, uh, about a year ago before I met Ray, basically, I was very much holding on to an idea of what I should be this thing. Like I, I, there were a number of times where my friends were going out and I was like, Oh uh, no, I don't, I don't think I should do that. Cause I, talk about this fucking shit on TikTok, and it's like uh, it's funny thinking back to it but it, it was one of the most freeing things and i credit ray for helping me to recognize this that there are no rules to this there's no rules to being reality like you can experience all ends of the spectrum and if you want to go do something go fucking do it if you think there might be some consequences go fucking do it and find out like that uh that uh video that's gone viral recently it's like uh fuck around and find out type thing and, and it shows like the find out how do you find out you fuck around yeah so keep fucking around and you keep finding out keep learning things keep growing and and not knowing exactly what that's going to look like is where the fun lies like understanding that you don't know what a certain path is going to lead to but if it feels right to you in the moment fucking start go down it and, and be willing to move and and pivot along the way and have, and it's, you know, again, about building that faith in yourself that you actually can do something like that. And that, that I think is really what it all comes down to. It really does. It really does. And I know because the last 20 years of my life have gone through this whole thing of like, Oh, I gotta, especially when you're young, it's the hardest part when you're in your, like your low twenties and nobody takes you seriously, regardless of your point, because of your age, you're like, Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
come back to me in like 20 years, right? <laughs> I would find that funny. But it, it really is just this, this transition of, of recognizing the point isn't necessarily what you're saying. It's not about you being important. It's not even about the message being like otherworldly. It's just about connecting with people. That's really all it's about. So something that's fairly common, we just had a, a authentic coaching workshop last weekend. And so we didn't talk about this in that workshop, but we have a mentorship program coming up in a couple of months anyway. But when I was coaching before, I would often coach other coaches, people who were either getting into the business or had been doing it for quite some time. And one of the things that consistently got mentioned was the fact that I swear in a coaching session. And I do it deliberately, not right away, but within about 15 minutes of a conversation. And it's often because people think, oh, well, I shouldn't swear. It's you know, a professional setting. And they immediately build up this wall. You release, you release a well-timed fuck around. All of a sudden, everybody relaxes. They're like, oh, I, I can swear? Oh, fuck yeah. Swear to your heart's content. Go nuts, right? And immediately they feel like they can talk to you, like they can relate to you. Why? Well, because you're not coming from on high. You're not coming down with your, your, your pastoral robes and your halo and shit. You're, you're just coming down and having a beer and saying, let's shoot the shit because we're here together. And that's what heals us. Because what hurts us more than people disconnecting from us all the time, right? And it's because we don't know how to connect and neither do they. So the only thing this is about is allowing that connection to be realized again. It was never lost. It was just misplaced, right? But it comes through our identity. And so every time you get some spiritual asshole, feel good life, whoever the hell you want to talk about, and they're like, you know, oh, hello, my friends. I have to talk to you like a monotone yoga teacher because this is what spiritual people sound like. Fuck off. Stop making this harder on everyone. Be a fucking human being. That is the most spiritual thing that you can do. Be mundane. Be real, right? Make that mystical because it is, and we've lost sight of it. It's so funny too how those spiritual gurus think they're doing so much good in the world. And it really makes you wonder if they're not doing more harm than good by clinging to that idea, by holding on to that idea of what they think they should be. Because at the end of the day, if, if the core of the reality that we're experiencing or the society that we're experiencing is the belief that we are what we think we are, anytime you're clinging to an idea of yourself, you're perpetuating the illusion of division. And so I'm sure obviously there's degrees of, of harm and whatnot, but it also makes me kind of wonder if, if when you really get down to it, when you really get down to the root of people recognizing their God, if you're perpetuating an idea of yourself and embodying that identity, is it not taking people further from the recognition? But I guess even even that discussion that that your god is not something that is even recognized by most spiritual gurus they have this idea of enlightenment or spirituality or whatever and it's just another belief system they cling to and and push and promote and whatnot so i see that as not very different from any other sort of religion or identity based belief system so anyone who's seeing themselves in a way that's like a a professional spiritual guru or or whatever the fuck is no different than anyone else who's distorted in their messaging. But again, there's there's degrees to it. I'm not discounting that, but part of me wonders 
if there is. <laughs> oh, absolutely. There are degrees to some degree, <laughs> but what changes isn't necessarily the damage, it's the type of damage, right? So like someone who espouses a lot of spiritual concepts, tries to act like a spiritual person is more than likely not going to go out and pick a fist fight, right? But they will misrepresent the truth and leave you with this underlying doubt for the rest of your life because it sounded so good and you don't want to question it. Right. And that is more damaging at the end of the day to your soul. I'd rather somebody just punch me because at least that will heal quickly. Right. This is why my pet peeve is spiritual snake oil, because it's the worst possible thing that you can do to another being is to disillusion the, even the realization that they're connected to everything, to give them a little taste, but that it benefits you. And unless you're not in there, it poisons the whole fucking thing for them. Like, it's just, it's such a terrible thing because it's such a beautiful conversation. It's a fantastic conversation. Nothing bothers me more than how many Christians or, or other religious people know all the words. They know all the words. They can recite you chapter and verse of beautiful, beautiful insights and don't see them at all don't recognize them at all. And why? One thing, the concept of God, the concept of them. And this is that spectrum. Because even saying we are all equally part of God is fucking you over. Right? Sounds really nice. It creates a division that's not there. And it gives you a scapegoat from responsibility that is going to damage your life. Because it's only through recognizing that it's all you that you have accountability in this moment. It's the only way it works. So anything short of that, it's just trying to feel better. That all, that's all it is. And unfortunately, we're at a point where people are so scared of being themselves because they don't have faith in themselves because they think they're a concept, right? That as soon as you try to talk to them about that, as soon as you try and put it on them and say, no, this is your life, it's your choice, do what you want. They don't like it. They resist it. Like, no, there's, there's extenuating circumstances. I'm a victim, blah, 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 blah. right? And that's the whole thing. Like, it, it's just this refusal to accept the obvious that you are the only fucking person in your seat. You're the only person in your life. It's all on you. Why is it so difficult to believe it is truly all on you? Aside from the fact that you just don't want to. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> well said. <laughs> yeah. Oh goodness. Oh man. It is. It is very interesting how, uh, almost equatable the concept of ourself and the concept of God is. Like as people cling to the idea of themselves, there needs to be an idea of God because they are inherently divided from reality. And and, but it's say uh, now. Now I'm wondering about that because what about an atheist? Right. And I guess I was thinking about this today. Uh, yeah, it was like kind of in the shower. <laughs> I was, uh, I was, someone was talking about, uh, Hinduism or they were, they were a Hindu or Buddhist or something. And I was wondering, you know, what, what the sort of issue with clinging to that belief system is. And it's because you are Buddhist or you are Hindu. So it's that religion of identity right that that it comes down to and that's that's the the universal religion if there is one right 
And Ray, you've talked about this a number of times and it's just, you know, starting to hit me now, even though you've, you know, probably brought it up like 50 times. Um, but that idea that, that atheists, their religion is their identity and anyone even in a, in Buddhism, which isn't really a religion, it's more of a practice. There is still the religion of identity involved in that as you see yourself as Buddhist. And so it's just that religious people have another thing that kind of adds to that idea of themselves. And then it's like another belief system on top of that, which, which you could argue takes them further, but it's, it's almost, uh, it's not binary, but like the recognition is binary. Like someone who's very real, like Christian caught up in, you know, Southern Baptist or something. Um, that's like very extreme Bible thumper or something. And someone who's Hindu there, there's a variation between them, but at the same time, it's still not seeing that they're it. And so that's still going to perpetuate suffering, the illusion of division in their life. And, you know, like with everyone, there's, there's a process, there's a number of layers that people hold on to, but there, there is a difference still between recognizing that you're it and not. And as much as you could say that Buddhism and Hinduism, you know, it sounds like what we're talking about here. It's not at all what we're talking about here. No, because it's still relying on that structure, right? Like what we're talking about here is that it's on you. You are the point, right? There's no structure to turn to, but as long as you're following something, it takes away that accountability, that responsibility. Again, it, it creates that disconnect immediately. And it's not that Buddhism isn't beautiful. It's fantastic. But again, you can identify as a Buddhist. I've seen people praying to the statue of Buddha to which Buddha would have like thrown shit at them. Like, stop doing that. It's terrible. Right. And it's true. Like, it, it's just that we get addicted to identity, which is why we want to join a group. You know, I am of this group. This defines me. Shit. I just did it to myself again. Right. And that's, that's the only problem. It's just habitual. It makes sense to the ego. What's wrong with identifying with this group. And this is why we always tell everybody in the dualistic unity community that there is no such thing. <laughs> Amanda. Yeah, the concept of God always fucked with me because it was like, God knows everything, but then if he knows everything, then he's just up there watching us screw each other over. And that's way more fucking perverted and sick than a God that is benevolent and loving and knows everything, but just somehow just doesn't fix what's going wrong. So then if things, if he's not fixing it, it's intentional. So we're supposed to be suffering. And it's like, now I, I appreciate the, the suffering because it teaches me lessons. But when I was learning about God through the Catholic church and then through the Jehovah witness, um, and I was like, damn, I don't, I don't know. They didn't make sense. And then you guys don't make sense. I was like, all of you, all of you motherfuckers are guessing. And you're all just setting me in a corner and telling me that there's light in the corner, but we're really in the dark. And it's like the concept of God feels inescapable. Like there's this entity that has all this power and all this knowledge and yet doesn't use it. And just, it's just willingly watch us suffer and we just can't escape it. But then maybe there's heaven, but maybe there's also hell. So I'm in the shithole now, but then I could get into a deeper shithole for eternity later. And I was like, none of it made sense to me. So as a kid, I would just hide in the bathroom with like a little lunch bag. Cause I was like, I don't know what you guys are doing. I don't see another better path, but I'm just going to stay away from all this because this seems like pure horseshit. Well said. Well said. It's so uh, it's so interesting how because all the the adults are afraid of of questioning that, it's like the children are the ones who are like, 
the fuck's going on? This doesn't make any sense. Like why? And then it just gets beaten over them that, you know, this is yeah, just, just believe it. Just stop questioning. You know, it's not that deep. Just, you know, be a good person. You're going to go to heaven. They're like, I don't know. And then over time, it just, you know, you kind of give up and it's, it's unfortunate. It's, it is a bummer like that, that so many of us are so afraid of the reality of uncertainty that we avoid it at all costs. You know, the idea of us gives us a tiny little smidge of comfort. And so we just settle on that. Like, oh yeah, this is, this is how my life's going to be. This is how reality is. And it's like, oh, there's so much more, so much, so much more depth, potential depth to it. At the same time, there isn't, but you know, there is. And yeah, so it's, I don't know. It's it's fascinating how how often people settle upon that. And it's I just always find it interesting how children are the ones who are so much closer to it than anyone else. And yet because they're so uncertain and they look to adults to tell them how to be, the afraid adults change them and and put them in a box and then they just do the same for their kids. Well, we have a box addiction. That's really all it is. And we're just teaching our kids how to be addicted to boxes, right? Marie. Uh, so I was thinking about um, the idea of suffering and how it comes from the identities that you hold on to. And as long as you're um, believing that about yourself, you're going to have some form of suffering. So that made me think of what was said earlier, though. I find myself not getting angry as often as much as I allow it to happen when it does, I more than recognize what's actually happening or I take a step back and then I see like, oh, I'm reacting out of um, a place where I feel like offended like this person um, and then recognize like what they're doing at the same time. So like that awareness almost of what's happening. and that they're a part of me, like almost always that allows me to come back to, like, I don't feel getting angry as often. Um, <laughs> and I, uh, I associate like feeling angry with like suffering. So I don't know. I just want to hear your thoughts on, because I do welcome it, but like, I don't see myself holding on to it as much because I don't see any value in it. I think that's really the point. I I go through the same thing where it's not that I don't get angry, but it doesn't happen very often and it lasts for a very short period of time. And it's because I'm not resisting the feeling. So I'm allowing myself to process the feeling and I'm gaining insight from it. But when we resist anger, when we judge ourselves for being angry, when we don't allow ourselves to process that, I mean, how much worse is it to be angry because you can't express your anger? And that's, what often happens is we feel boxed in, like we can't express ourselves. And so just like, you know, a a kettle with a lid on it, the steam starts to build, that pressure starts to build and eventually the lid flies off and you lose your shit, but it's only because you allowed that pressure to build for so long without addressing it, right? And so as soon as, as soon as you feel it, you're just like, I'm just gonna let some of that steam out right now before it gets, you know, out of hand. And that's, that's very much what I experience as well. It's not that it's not there, it's that it's it's healthy because I'm not bottling it up. I'm allowing it to do its thing. I'm allowing it to inform me and then it's gone. Yeah. And because and I've, I've 
when I was growing up, I would get angry a lot. Like my sister always said that I had an anger issue and there was probably a part of me that did, but then there was a point where I got into meditation and spirituality that I, I wouldn't as much, but then it, it, as Ray was saying, it kind of went so far that I thought that I shouldn't or couldn't. And that put me again in another box. And since then it's like, you kind of go through it and you recognize that it's not that you can't, but you see in yourself as you allow yourself to get aware, but you're or, uh, angry and you're actually aware of it. It's like you're able to recognize the consequences as opposed to just thinking that you can't do it. And so as you experience the consequences of it, you see why there isn't as good of a reason. Like now I will still get angry and worked up and frustrated and you know emotional in many different ways, but it, it is a much quicker noticing of it because I'm not like so involved in it. I don't think that it's what I am. And so I'm able to, as you were kind of expressing Marie, be that background awareness of it. And then with that awareness, kind of like how we were talking about instinct versus intuition, you're able to see not just the emotion, but also the response that people are giving you and the environment that you're involved in and the consequences of the action in in real time almost. And then you can see other options through that. If you're resisting it and you think you shouldn't be, but then you are, it's like you're so caught up in that that you don't see any other way to act. Whereas once you're aware of it, you almost see like, yeah, that is an option, but it's not the only option. There's other things that I could do. I could stop this right now. And because you don't, I, I would almost, uh, I would almost get invested in the emotion to the point that I didn't think that I thought I had to like see it through unless I, until I like punch someone in the arm or something like, and then it would, then it would kind of subside, but that would only breed even more consequences. So there's, there's almost a ability to drop it like quick and not think that it has, it diminishes you at all. It's fascinating how we can kind of get so involved in an emotion that we think if we let that go, it diminishes us. Like we, we lose and therefore we lose something about us. Like I very much used to have that mentality. And now that I don't, it's like I can get into it and get out of it a lot more quickly as well. So, um, yeah. No, I just, uh, wanted to say, um, oh, shit, what was it? Uh, that, sorry multitasking and obviously losing um but so like as as i'm like once i start to feel angry just like anything else i'll question it right and that that allows me to then like where is this coming from um uh where is what what is the true nature behind this anger is it this actually happening or is it something that you're bottling which is something i resonate with what you said ray like understanding um that it's not that you shouldn't feel angry but like also recognizing where that anger is coming from because if it's coming from a place of like self-doubt or a place of um allowing somebody to project onto you and like recognizing that uh I don't know. I just like always try to question things. And then in that questioning, it allows me to kind of release uh, attachment to these emotions because then I just recognize 
then I'm just in that questioning space in general. And I'm just like, oh yeah, right. Like <laughs> what is really fucking happening here? <laughs> Come on, like don't get wrapped up in this shit. This is silly. Like it's silly. Um, and that's what always makes me laugh. And that's why I like, uh, it's silly to think of like those spiritual gurus who like don't have the, just have that calm. It's like, isn't it fucking funny? Isn't this funny? This is ridiculous. So anyhow, that's what I say about that. I'll pass it. Yeah, absolutely. No, it's uh, somebody once said that, you know, anger is always associated with trying to protect something. And if it's your ego, you're trying to protect that's where the consequence lies, right? Where if it's somebody you love or something that's important to you or something that's important to, to the people around you, maybe it's a motivator. Maybe it's something that's going to help you get out of desire or fear, or apathy or anything like that. It can be a source of energy. It's just, again, when it's coming from a fiction, it's defining a fiction, it's defending a fiction. And then it just continues in that loop until the anger just never, ever, ever goes away. And it starts to you know, basically become an attachment, right? As Andrew was saying, you almost don't want to let it go because it would diminish you right? I'm angry for a good reason. If I stop being angry now, that means, you know, I was full of shit this whole time. It's like, no, it could mean you just learn from it and you let it go. Amanda. I was gonna, I definitely agree. Um, you know, we, we have to let, we have to be able to let the anger go because it's not an issue to be angry. And I, so it's not a problem for me to get angry and I fully embrace the part of myself that says fuck off right now because sometimes you have to set a boundary sometimes you have to embrace a boundary and I talk to myself like all the time and so I was like I yell at myself these are other versions of me what's the difference between yelling at me and yelling at them I mean I do laugh at it more you know where I just like oh shit we got caught up or we 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 were um we zoomed in too much we can zoom out but it's like I like zooming in and I like being able to feel all my emotions you know the the analogy I like to give to people is that I'm not a fucking care bear I am not just a one flavor I am not just one emotion it is not just happy bubbly Amanda that you always get sometimes you get the back the fuck up or I will tell you to back the fuck up Amanda sometimes it's the hey are you doing okay how are you hey it's the you know like there's so many versions to me and whether or not you like all those versions is really not my problem but all I know is that if something is coming up it's coming up for a reason so we can explore it we can question it but we don't need to suppress it we don't need to label it I just need to let I, I need to let Amanda be whatever she's going to be in that moment. And it's not always going to be pleasant. And I remind myself, I don't have to be pleasant all the time. I do not always have to be agreeable. I do not always have to be compassionate. I don't have to be a dick. I don't have to be aggressive. But sometimes you might get dick Amanda, you might get a, aggressive Amanda, but it's just, it's just a part of the package. And I'm here for the whole package for myself and for you. And, you know, how we process it is going to look different moment to moment but it's it's not just a one flavor all the time it's going to change it's going to be rough it's going to be smooth it's going to be silky it's going to be um prickly i like to say sometimes i'm feeling prickly you know like it's it's just it's whatever it needs to be and i'm okay with all versions absolutely i am sometimes downright abrasive yes <laughs> absolutely right because sometimes it's, it's called for sometimes it is the appropriate response sometimes it's actually the response that's going to help you get the message across the most to the other person who may not be willing to listen until somebody rubs them the wrong way right a little bit of turbulence will make you pay attention absolutely so don't don't resist the the urge to be turbulent sometimes sometimes it's required alexandra um i just wanted to kind of jump on on the coattails of what everyone said so far which has been brilliant um I'll try and say briefly like I think to to try and let go of 
quote negative emotions um is to is to deny yourself to experience the full range because um to misquote Carl Jung like um no tree it said can have its branches grow to heaven without its roots grow to hell so um to sidebar I find it really funny when people always say see all the shit you've gone through all the trauma and the stress and the sadness and and now you're here and look at all this joy you're experiencing and this is what it all meant all the suffering led to this moment you go actually well rather in the reverse when you're when you're in that trough when you're in the shit it only feels so bad because you were at that peak at one point your positive emotions have informed the depths of your trauma and when you coming back to my main point now when you do experience the anger or the sadness or the prickly emotions or the compulsion to be aggressive or potentially hit someone it's only because you've had such a good time you know before or afterwards and thus I don't necessarily see the value in in I mean I see the value in urge surfing but I don't see this compunction to let it go it's like actually I, I can do whatever I want and I think something that Andrew often nods to is when I shouldn't have to let it go or I should hold on to it I should anything if you if you nix that that thought process and you go actually I can die on this hill and you actually relax into the fact that I'm allowed to feel like shit I'm allowed to be an asshole I'm allowed to want to punch someone and then you you know obviously everything has actions have consequences you don't you don't you don't have to do it but you can sit in it and typically when you do sit in it it actually fucks off but uh but this can this can this limiting belief of I should, I should not, I must be a peacemaker, I must be calm and wise and woke, etc. Like you said, Ray, if you push it down, it's going to piss out the sides. And so I just think, yeah, one, you don't have to do anything. You can have the shits for three days. Jesus fucked off into a tomb for three days and he came up better for it. So I don't think there's any hard and fast rules. And granted, he was allegedly dead, but it's kind of beside the point. You can sit on things for any amount of time. Time doesn't even fucking exist. So don't tell me there's any, like, anyway. And then second to that, it only feels as bad because you know how good good feels. And it's it's nice to remember that uh, when you're in the shit. I think it really helps to reframe your your suffering. Fucking A. That was beautiful. Absolutely. And it's something I, I've been saying for years in terms of people who are overly positive. Explore the negatives. You know, don't don't just dwell on on you know the shiny side of the fence because it's the other side that. You know, you're going to learn from later if you avoid it for too long. It's really important to be able to ride the middle and 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 experience the yeah. whole thing, right? Well, the other side of the fence is what makes your side so fucking shiny in the first place. Like you gotta, you gotta step in the shit. You've got to do it. You got to try it. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, yeah, I think Ray, you said once that uh, sometimes being positive is just being negative about being negative. And yeah, that, that hit me because it's just one side that you're clinging to and freedom. And, and it's the idea that you should be positive all the time. It's that fucking, as you brought up Alexander, that fucking word should I, yeah, not that there's anything wrong with it necessarily, but I have found myself clinging to that for, for many years and recognizing that that is closer to the to the thing to let go of than one side or the other. It's the idea that one side is the one that you should be on and letting go of that is where the freedom lies. Like it's not about being willing to let go of the earth. How quickly can you let go of anger or how, how long can you go without any thoughts happening? Just being okay with it happening, with the thoughts arising, with with the anger arising, with getting caught up in a fucking argument for three days and then being like, yeah, but I don't have to. 
and and I can do something else. It's like getting in that argument and getting super pissed off with your buddy is just as valid as sitting cross-legged like this for seven hours. It's just as valid. And thinking that you should be this for so long is another fucking prison. Yeah, absolutely. And one day you're going to look at it and go, I miss feeling excited and kind of frustrated. And we've talked about this, especially at the retreat where there was this sentiment of like, I really want to get past our walls. It's like, enjoy those walls. You know, they're, they're not necessarily your enemy. They're the journey. And the journey is the point, right? You're trying to get to a destination and that destination is going to halt you in your tracks and smack you around for a bit. So just take your time, you know, appreciate everything that goes into approaching that quote unquote destination, which is really just embracing the journey. The destination we're all trying to get to so hard is embracing the journey. Isn't that funny? So I want to take a quick moment here because of course we are going to be wrapping up this episode in the next 10 minutes or so. Um, Paula has joined us. She joined us a little earlier. Uh, we all lovingly call her PMAC. She joins us regularly on Patreon in our group discussions. Of course, she has her own coaching business. She's always offering insights and, and excellent questions to motivate the conversation. We didn't have a chance to introduce her earlier. So I just wanted to take a moment and say, hi, PMAC. Hello. Thank you. What an introduction. <laughs> Good to be here. I like this. It's like the dualistic unity and the girls. <laughs> But yeah, sorry I was late. I was actually caught up on a budgeting session and it was so much fun. <laughs> I was like, I'm like so into it on my screen doing the numbers and people are like stressing about trying to like pay off their debt and I'm just laughing. I'm like, isn't this fun? <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, no, there, there is no such thing as late. Life happens to all of us as it were. And so we just do the best we can. But uh, PMAC, while you're on the subject, Maybe you could tell everybody where they can find you when they're off the show here. Uh, what's your website address? Uh, it's holisticbudget.nz. Excellent. So for anybody who's looking for coaching when it comes to, you know, uh, working with your budget, maybe saving some money, working towards a goal, that kind of thing, definitely reach out to Paula. You can also talk to her anytime on our Patreon groups. Uh, that is the last announcement, actually, is that the Patreon groups, if you've enjoyed this episode and you want to be on, and you want to ask some questions. I noticed we did have some questions in the chat section. We didn't get to them today necessarily because these group conversations are really, they're just so much fun and we end up kind of just moving around with the insights. So if you would like to participate the next time, it's going to be the third Tuesday of every month, just sign up on patreon.com slash dualistic unity. Uh, tier two and tier three patrons get to join us here on these groups. We're thinking there may be more than just one Tuesday per month because this was a blast. This was so much fun. Um, likewise, I just wanted to mention very quickly for our tier three patrons that we've come up with a book title. We're not revealing that book title as yet, but we've come up with the book title. And if you would like to be a part of the writing of this book, Andrew and I are working on the introduction at the moment. We're working on the structure for the chapters to follow. Uh, if you'd like to be a part, tier three patrons are going to get early access to each and every chapter as they're released, as well as the drafts, you're going to be able to brainstorm with us, maybe help us as we work through some of the examples, some of the quotes, things like that, you're actually going to have a say. So if that's something that interests you, definitely reach out on Patreon or reach out on social media and ask us a question. We'll be happy to tell you how you can join or how you can be a part of it. Yeah, absolutely. And this, is, this has been a fucking blast. I've really enjoyed this episode. I mean, this is what 
the Patreon groups are, are normally like, but there's definitely another uh, level of energy to this one. Maybe because it was live, maybe because it was being recorded as a podcast episode or whatnot. Who knows? Doesn't matter. But uh, yeah, I've had a blast with this. So, yeah, right. I think we may need to start incorporating a few more of these into into the Twitch live streams. But yeah, with the with the book too, we actually kind of used our uh, tier three call. What was it? not last one but two weeks ago uh two sundays ago as like a brainstorming session like we were just going through and and the people on there were were helping us out chat through some of the stuff so yeah that book is is going to be a lot of fun to start getting into and super excited for that and and especially that people are going to be able to be a part of that because that's what it's all about is bringing the community together interacting with everyone you know ray and i had our fill the first couple seasons of just talking to each other nonstop every single week and so i not that i don't love talking to ray one-on-one -on -one, but it's a lot of fun bringing more people in uh so yeah this is this has been a blast yeah you gotta give yourself a break from time to time let other people take the abuse right um i just wanted to say really quickly because we had this question in the comment section and it's important because we we were kind of shitting on Eckhart for a little while and 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 people who are very much in Eckhart's vein and somebody was asking like well surely they serve some purpose surely they're not you know just causing damage true that's absolutely true there are people going through different levels of development who are going to run across them it's going to be exactly what they need to hear at that time that doesn't necessarily mean it's all they need to hear and sometimes it's a little thing it's a little bit of what they don't need to hear as a result of where it's coming from Right. So it's not to say there's no value there. There's value in Christianity. Right. There's value in Satanism. Like there is value in every one of these paths. If you look at them for the insights, the danger that's underlying is always the identity. It's always the concept. It's always this box that you put yourself in for the sake of pretending that you know. That's really all it is. It's not that these spiritual teachers, so-called, don't have a value or a purpose. All of us do. We're all part of the same tapestry. We all are perfectly appropriate to our collective mentality right now. But in changing that collective mentality, the, really, the real question is, are we willing to abandon our so-called gurus so that way we don't need them? Because that's really the point we're at. We have to come to a point where we are willing to surrender the false certainty of religion, of spirituality, of having a teacher. It's time. We have the capacity. It's just that we are habitually drawn to these identity-based narratives. It's all it is. And we don't have to be, but we have to take the responsibility, which means we have to come to the realization that it's all us. So that way we can take that responsibility. Amanda. When I think of Eckhart, I think of just another classroom. Like when I when I remember college, there was no one teacher that made or break was like a make or break for the degree. It was just there were some great teachers, there were some okay teachers, and and every single one of them had pieces that you wanted to take with you and pieces that you could live without. And you know, when I think of Eckhart Tolle, I feel like people walk into that classroom and sometimes build a home and they don't want to leave that classroom, not realizing that you are the best guru, you are the best teacher for your own specific experience, because there is no one that's going to know your pain as well as you. There is no one who will live through the specific suffering scenarios that you live through. So there is no one that's going to give you a better customized answer or a better path for you than you and you take what you can from the teachers but you don't build a house in their classroom because 
you're not supposed to do that. Or at least that's what I realize. I, you know, I'm not supposed to do that for me. Um, you know, and that's how I think of Eckhart. It's just, I take what I can from him, but then I, I walk away because he's not the end of my learning. Beautifully said. Just like psychedelics, you know, if you got the message, hang up the phone. Absolutely. Uh, we have a few minutes left here before we're going to wrap up. Andrew, is there anything that you would like to say in closing? Uh, not a whole lot. Just that this has been a lot of fun. I mean, this conversation flowed about as well as I think it possibly could. We got in and out of some really fun topics. I mean, I love covering these types of things. And, you know, we've really got into the kind of the nitty gritty of what we talk about all the time and, and the reality of the recognition versus the conceptual and getting lost in the idea of what you think this is, as opposed to the reality of what this is. And so I think this has been one of our best episode, best podcast episodes we've had that, cause we really got into, you know, the, the crux of what we talk about and the recognitions that go along with realizing that it's not about what you say necessarily. And it's not about any one teacher or, or guru or anyone that you cling to. They're never it. They're, they're, there's never that end point. There is no end point. It's the continued process of processing. Not even, I, I used to say the continued process of questioning, but it's just the continued process of being it, no matter which way you want to take that. If you want to fuck around, if you want to get in arguments, if you want to get angry, if you want to get excited and fall in love if you want to i don't know do anything like that's it that's that's always it it's not about settling on any answers it's just about being the answer in and of yourself every single moment because you're it absolutely and on that note since there's nothing else to say without totally ruining the point of everything you were just talking about we're going to end this episode here thank you everyone who participated in this group. We really appreciate your support. As always, we appreciate you being here. You inspire us. You give us so much to think about and chew on. And of course, every episode is informed by your participation, which is informed by your life because we are all connected. And so thank you from the bottom of my heart for being here. I just want to say to everybody who is watching, thank you for watching and listening and paying attention through all of this, even though we are trying not to settle on anything it's been fun just spending time with you. And so we will see you for the next episode of Dualistic Unity Raw, which, which should come out on Sunday, but do keep an eye out for the Dualistic Unity movie review coming out later this week. All right. Bye, everyone.